Welcome back to the Cinderella Theorem. If you missed the previous chapters, you can find them on this podcast and the episode list. And now, chapter 18. Everyone vanishes squared. Kalo, I whispered to myself. Kalo had vanished. I knew it. I knew it as surely as I knew the sum of two complementary angles was 90 degrees. Miranda reached for her phone, and I ran back to our cubicle. My heart raced, and an easiness settled into my stomach. I felt the way I had in seventh grade when I finished half of a math worksheet and realized I had done all those problems without considering my dear Aunt Sally. Please excuse my dear Aunt Sally is a mnemonic device used to help algebra students learn the order of operations. The letters stand for parenthesis, exponents, multiplication, division, addition, and subtraction. My eyes went straight to the floor, to the spot where Kalo had been. He wasn't there. I began forming an equation about Kalo languishing in the dungeon in Uppish Senna. Why are you staring at the floor, Lily? I looked up. Kalo was at his desk on the phone. You're not vanished. Kalo rolled his eyes. Of course I'm not. But if you want to do something useful, instead of standing there like a dolt, you could get on your phone and call the observatory. Maybe you can get through. He pointed to my phone. I've been on hold since the sirens started going off. I picked up the receiver and pushed the numbers. Why are we calling the observatory? Kalo sighed and shook his head. <sighs> it's like you have no deductive abilities. Ignoring my noise of protest, he went on. Someone at the observatory will be able to tell us who vanished. I was about to show off my deductive abilities by saying we would need to quickly formulate a plan to protect the other characters in the vanished person's story when I heard a voice on the line. We are experiencing high call volumes at the moment. Please stay on the line. Your call is very important to us. A representative from the observatory will be with you shortly. The same message repeated itself every 45 seconds. In between the recorded messages, upbeat music played. I recognized a BTM tune. To pass the seconds, I estimated how many times I would hear the message before I spoke to an actual person. Estimate, 17. I was up to 8 when Kalo slammed his phone down. Forget it, he said. Let's just go up there ourselves. I hung up my own phone and followed him into the hall. As we went through the cubicles, I noticed everyone was on the phone, and everyone looked like they were on hold. There ought to be some sort of PA system when things like this happen. Kalo snorted. The names of the vanished can't be released until the appropriate people have been notified. Then why were you calling? Because at some point, the observatory will finish notifying your father, Grimm, or in this case, Miranda, and the other members of the vanished person's story. Then, obviously, I want to be the next person they tell. Why? Kalo pushed the up arrow inside as we waited for an elevator to come to our floor. Because the sooner I know, the sooner I can research. The sooner I can research, the sooner I can present the data to the rescue team. The sooner the data has been presented, the sooner the team can form a plan, the sooner... I get it! You asked, he shrugged. I made a frustrated noise. What rescue team? Kalo opened his mouth to speak, but at the same time, the elevator doors opened. An official-looking person stood on the elevator holding a clipboard. Security clearance? He asked, looking at us. Three, Kalo answered. The official raised his eyebrows. Both of you are level three? The princess is covered under my clearance, Gavin. You know that. Policy is policy, Kalo. You know that. Gavin marked something off on his clipboard, and then the elevator doors shut. They opened back up immediately when Kalo pushed the button. Prince Avonaut, or Prince Charming, as he is often called, has vanished. Thank you. Gavin pushed a button, and the elevator doors closed again. The uneasiness returned to my stomach. Avon had vanished? The cartographer who just wanted to make his maps and live happily ever after with his wife? Then she got a new job and burned his maps? I stopped my thought process just short of analyzing my part in all of this. So, what's the plan? I asked Kalo. He didn't answer. Kalo! 
I asked again. Kalo, did you hear me? He was very pale and taking deep breaths to calm himself. We have to get him back. The ramifications of this are astronomical. He let out a breath of air. I mean, this is Cinderella we're talking about. If her story vanishes, there will be some serious repercussions in your world. Have you seen the popularity ratings for Cinderella? It's got to be in the 98th percentile. It's one of the all-time favorites. And do you have any idea how many cultures have a Cinderella tale? Actually, I did. I remembered the number, 345, from my Ella research. But I didn't think Kayla really wanted an answer. Another rhetorical question. So what's the plan? I asked again, hoping to focus Kalo away from useless panicking. He sighed. I, I need to meet with Miranda. He ran a hand over his hair. I hope Avon's happyologist is on duty. We'll need his notes, files, and personal insight. Right, I began. You head straight for Miranda. I'll grab some notepads and pens and meet you there. Meet me where? Kayla looked confused. In Grimm's office, for the meeting with Miranda. Kayla made a half laugh, half snort sort of noise. You aren't going to the meeting. You don't have that much clearance. He headed for our cubicle. I followed him. You just told Gavin I was covered under your clearance. I should be able to go where you go, Kalo. I may have insights on the situation that... Kalo held up his hand to stop me. Lily, your actual security clearance is T. Do you know what T stands for? He rushed on, clearly not waiting for an answer to his rhetorical question. It stands for trainee. Do you know what the clearance of a trainee means? Again, no pause. It means that the trainer, that's me, has full discretion about what you, the trainee, are allowed to know. But, Kayla went on, you're doing well in your training, actually quite better than I expected, but you don't have enough knowledge to be a part of this meeting. You'd only be in the way. He grabbed a notepad and some pencils and left. I might not have been the most successful happyologist ever, but I did know one thing Kalo, the trainer, didn't. I knew why Avon had vanished. I considered the variables, calculated the outcomes, and decided to march right into Miranda slash Grimm's office and tell them what I knew. I would just come out and say, he's upset because I tried to make Ella normal and she burned his maps. Unfortunately, I was too busy polishing my calculations that I didn't watch where I was going and ran right into a group of people. Security has been breached. I repeat, security has been breached. Secure the perimeter. I looked up. Each person in the group was dressed in a dark trench coat. They wore dark glasses and had walkie-talkie radios. One of them seized my arms and pinned them behind me. I've got her, he shouted as he lowered me to the ground. Get Kara to safety, he whispered in my ear. Thought you could take out Kara, didn't you? Hmm. Well, your little uppish sin of plans are going to fail, girly. He planted a knee in my back. Rapidly, I created an equation for this incident. Trenchcoat person, A, had mistaken me, L, for a dark mesa, D. A intended to cancel out D, but would actually, mistakenly, eliminate L. A different trench coater came over to us. I rolled my eyes up and strained my neck so I could see her. She removed her glasses and looked patiently at us. Release her, Daniel. But Kara, she tried to... Daniel still held my arms, crushing my spine. You're mistaken, I believe. Don't you recognize our own Princess Lily? Daniel hastily pulled me to my feet and bowed. My apologies, Your Highness. Okay... I muttered, unsure of the precise princessly thing to say at the moment. I stepped away from him. With a gesture, Kara shooed her entourage down down the hallway. You must excuse Daniel, she smiled. He takes his job as my head of security very seriously. He's an excellent agent, though a little enthusiastic. You're not injured, I hope. I shook my head. No. After a pause, I added, ma'am. Kara smiled again. Excellent. Do excuse me, princess. She turned to leave. Miranda's waiting for me. I watched her walk down the hall. I rolled my shoulders and swayed from side to side to work out the pain from Daniel's grip. 
Security was a serious business in the Smith's SFL. I carefully reconsidered my plan to burst into the office with my information. I had no evidence Daniel and the Trenchies carried weapons, but I had no evidence they didn't carry them either. Conclusion? The risk was too great. My desire for safety was greater than my desire to help. I retreated to my cubicle. In this equation, retreated equals ran as fast as I could. I sat down and drummed my fingers on my desk briefly before standing up again. I looked out into the hall. Everyone was busy. Every few minutes, one of the trenches would come out of Grimm's office and whisper something to a waiting happyologist. The happyologist would run off, I assume, to do whatever the trenchy asked. Everyone seemed to be following preset guidelines about what to do when someone vanished. As a trainee, I hadn't been trained by my trainer on this procedure. I stood stupidly in my cubicle. I jumped slightly. The hourly report had arrived. I didn't think Doug and the others of the observatory would have the time to continue giving me the special updates. Perhaps the magic kept them going? Or perhaps the observers weren't involved in rescuing. After all, their job title did seem to imply all they did was observe. I pulled the paper out of my shoe and rolled my eyes when I saw Kalo had risen a level. That made sense. He loved to be commanding and condescending. Using condescension should be on the list of things proven to make him happy. But while Kalo was getting happier, Ella was not. Her levels were dropping quickly. She was already at could be happier. Her happyologist should be going out to cheer her, but I didn't think Kayla would want to be interrupted for this. I was sort of her happyologist, wasn't I? And I was mostly the reason her husband had vanished, probably contributing to her unhappiness now. I worked the equation and realized I was the only person likely to know Ella was about to vanish. As far as I knew, none of the other happyologists got Ella on their update list. I grabbed my bag and left. On the ride over, I thought of several points to emphasize to Ella. Number one, the truth. I could tell her I had been trying to make her happy so I could prove a person had to be normal to be happy. Number two, her career. The way I saw it, Ella had to stay and finish her paintings. Her clients deserved that. Number three, the fans. I could always resort to the illogical appeal of fairy tales throughout ages and cultures. Ella wouldn't want all those girls to grow up without Cinderella, would she? No one answered my knock, so after several moments of debate, I opened the door and went in. A painting flew from the studio door and bounced down the stairs, breaking the frame on impact. The canvas looked like it had been shredded. I closed the door and went upstairs, narrowly avoiding decapitation from a bird painting. Ella? I asked nervously as I went into the room. Ella wiped her wet, red eyes and blew her nose on her smock. Her face was red and blotchy. Lily! <sighs> she breathed in and out rapidly several times. What a pleasant surprise! She nodded to the floor where strips of canvas were strewn everywhere. I'm just ripping up my paintings before I burn them. Burn them? I whispered. Yes, I'm afraid they have to go, Lily. I let my pride and selfish desire to paint ruin my marriage. She sobbed and slumped down on a pile of atlases. Avon hated to be away from me on his trips. Did you know that? I shook my head slowly an inch further into the room. It's true. He always wanted me to go with him. He'd ask every time, but I'd always say no. After all, a princess just doesn't run around the countryside like that. She's supposed to stay at home and be proper and embroider something. Fresh tears started. They ran down her face and fell on her dress. I vanished him. I burnt his maps and made him miserable. Ella started sobbing again, and the only words I could make out were fault. <laughs> Why? Shoo. Ella looked at me, waiting. She had apparently asked a question. Since fault plus Y plus shoe did not in any way equal a question, I said, I don't know, Ella. I walked over and hugged her. I don't know how we can fix it. I adjusted her hug so I could look at her. But I do know that we have to keep you from vanishing. 
Little girls all over the world look up to you. They dream of being you. What will the lives be like if you vanish? Ella pushed away from me, sobbing harder. That's the worst of it. She was crying, breathing, and talking all at once. Not a coherent mixture. I'm a horrible princess. I let my selfishness ruin my story. I let my husband vanish. I'm an awful role model. No one should want to be me. Ella. I started moving towards her. She sobbed again and vanished. I stood there for an entire minute, counting and thinking. I came to two separate conclusions, each with similar outcomes. Number one, I couldn't bring Ella back, so I shouldn't stay. And two, I didn't know if people, possibly Daniel and the Trenchies, would swoop down out of the castle like police officers and CSIs to a crime scene. I could not imagine a situation in which it would be advantageous to be hanging around when they arrived, so I shouldn't stay. I ran out of the castle, hopped on my bike, pedaling at a velocity greater than usual, and dropped off at our castle. I grabbed my marble out of the bowl and headed for our arrive hall and portaled to the safety of my bathroom. I immediately snatched up my toothbrush and started brushing. Then, when I was finished, I went to my room, closed my door, and tried to lose myself in algebra. It didn't work. For the first time in my 15 years, I wasn't able to focus on math. Tears kept dripping onto my paper. I couldn't remember any of my square roots, and my nose was running. I pushed the book away in frustration and threw myself on my bed, sobbing. I calmed down some when I heard Mom knock on my door. Lily? she asked. Her voice sounded tentative. Can I come in? I said nothing for a moment, wiping my eyes and smoothing my hair. Yeah, come in, Mom. She looked tired. Mom's hair is often a gauge of how hard she has worked. When she comes to a problem in her story, she'll pull a strand of hair out of the clip and twist it. She says the twisting helps her solve the problem, but I haven't found that to be a theory supported by mathematics. She did the same thing when she was worried, and today her hair was mostly out of the clip. How? What? She stopped and started again. Kalo! She shook her head and sat on my bed. When? She cut off and just sighed. Say it, Mom. Incoherence was unmathematical. She took a deep breath. All right, Lily. The thing is... Kalo and everyone at Hia think you left work after Avon vanished. I opened my mouth slightly. Was I seriously in trouble for leaving early? Did you leave then? Yes, but... Mom interrupted me. Right after he vanished, or later? And how much later? I looked at my mother suspiciously. What were these questions about? It was later, I said slowly. Maybe ten minutes later? So you weren't there for the second vanishing? What? You don't know? Mom swallowed. All right, Lily. This is going to be difficult. I have some bad news. She started speaking faster. I'll just go ahead and say it. Ella vanished this afternoon also at... What? I asked, this time confused about why my mother thought I didn't already know of this. Did no one know I had been at Ella's? Shouldn't one of the trenches or a happyologist have been responsible for monitoring her castle? A tear rolled down Mom's cheek. I know it's a shock, Lily. She pulled me into a hug. You two were close, huh? Mom rubbed my back to comfort me. He and the agency are doing everything they can to get them back. Don't worry. It was all very well for my mother to tell me not to worry. She had no idea that particular motherly phrase wouldn't work this time. She had no idea how deeply involved I was in this story. She had no idea I was the cause of the vanishings. My interference led to Ella burning Avon's maps, which no doubt led to his vanishing. And I was witness to the fact that his vanishing led to Ella's vanishing. I was a vanishing catalyst. So, for all my mother's motherly words, I was worried. I left a negative off an answer and had to run back upstairs to replace it. I went to bed without brushing my teeth and then got back up to go brush them. 
and no amount of counting squares put me to sleep, so I switched to fluffy illogical sheep at 312 squared. I was very worried. My father didn't come home. Mom said he was in rescue meetings. She wanted me to go with her to the candlelight vigil for Avon and Ella, but I told her I didn't feel like it. How could I go and light a candle for the people I had vanished? I was as bad as Levi. Tandem Talus should be hiring me as a dark mesa. I was a lousy happyologist. I turned over in bed. Ella's words repeated in my head. I let my selfishness ruin my story. I let my husband vanish. I was worse than that. I, a happyologist, let my selfishness ruin their story. I let my friends vanish, all so I could prove they should be normal. I sat up and looked around for something to distract me. I grabbed the copy of Beauty and the Beast I'd been reviewing from my work bag. Maybe a fairy tale could distract me where math had failed. It worked. I fell asleep, dreaming about beauty selflessly, not selfish like me, giving herself to the beast so her father could be free. Mom was gone when I woke up, or maybe she never came home. That's the thing about vigils. How did you know when you could leave? It seemed kind of rude to leave before the person you were vigiling for was found, but who could just stay there indefinitely? I went through the motions of getting ready for school, all the while thinking about Ella and Avon. Why did I have to get involved? Why didn't I suggest she paint maps for him? Why had I ignored the warning signs? Why hadn't I talked to Avon at the tea? Why, why, why? It seemed my questions were infinite. And like infinity, the questions didn't stop at school. I felt like I was split in half. Half of me tried to be normal and pay attention. The other half was lost in questions and worry. I hated it, and I have never hated fractions before. Lily dear, we're waiting. Mrs. Fox interrupted my thoughts. For what? I asked, coming out of my stupor. Weren't you listening? She asked rhetorically. I asked you to read the first page of this obscure fairy tale we're studying today. I looked down at the page. The title of the obscure tale was Cinderella. Already one of the most well-known fairy tales was obscure. Somehow I pulled myself together and mumbled through the page without paying attention to what I read. My thoughts were on the obscurity of my friend Ella. I had made her obscure. I hadn't been checking my shoe updates regularly because there was nothing left to see. Ella had vanished and Kayla was steadily increasing ever since he started his condescending problem solving. But during the passing period before algebra, I had to clean my shoe out. It was too full and becoming painful to walk on. I slipped into the bathroom to empty my shoe slash communication device. I pulled out the top sheet. Through the folds of paper, I could see Doug had written something below the regular printout. Curious, I unfolded it. He had written, come quick, near the bottom and drawn a line to the top where he had circled. Kalo Miller vanished. Newton's life was changed by the realization that things fall toward the ground. Pythagoras's life was changed by traveling to discover secrets of mathematics from all over the world. And my own life was changed when I decided to skip algebra and go back to Smith's SFL. Once my mind was made up, I acted quickly. I threw the remaining updates away. I wouldn't need them anymore since everyone on the list had already vanished. I gathered my things, slipped out of the building without being seen, and ran straight home. Having never experimented with skipping school, running seemed appropriate. Besides, I was in a hurry. As I ran, I thought about two things. Number one, why did Doug want me to come quick? What did he think I could do? I finally calculated he suspected I knew something since I was receiving the updates on Kalo. Number two, why had Kalo vanished? Yesterday, Kalo was barely less than less than happy. Admittedly, not great, but pretty good for where Kalo had been recently. What had happened? Number three, I hoped Kalo's vanishing was not in any way related to my meddling. I ran in the door and was about to rush upstairs when I was stopped by all the post-it notes. 
Mom had left a trail of messages for me. I went from awful news to Kalo vanished to we're staying in the kingdom to Blair will fix some supper for you to keep going to the school to I'll come home when I can to love you, Lily. The trail ended in the kitchen. The love you, Lily post-it was on the bag of pretzels. Mom's distraction was off the charts today. Did she really think I was just going to stay home and keep going to school while all my friends and coworkers vanished away to languish with Levi in the dark mesas? I headed up the stairs to throw some clothes in a bag. I was staying in the kingdom too. After all, I was the princess of that place. Where else should I be when my people needed me? I sighed. What was I planning? Rush into the he office and do what? Maybe I should just let Kalo and his story be saved by Kara and the trenches. I jumped. Another update arrived in my shoe. It poked uncomfortably. I dug it out and saw Doug had written something on it as well. Great. Who else could have vanished? I unfolded it and read. Hurry! Kara trapped in office. I have a plan. How in Fibonacci's sequence did Kara get trapped? Wouldn't her security force have secured the perimeter or something? I started back up the stairs. Mathematical or not, I was going to help Doug with his plan. The conclusion was simple. These fictional people needed me. The equation for their fictional, magical world was unbalanced, and Doug needed my help to balance it. And if I, Lily Sparrow, was anything, I was an equation balancer. I was nearly to the top of the stairs when I heard my mother's voice. She was in her study talking on the phone, but her post-its had indicated she would be in the kingdom indefinitely. I went back downstairs and peeked in the study. It was my mother's voice, but it was not my mother. Blair sat in my mother's special riding chair, talking on the phone, imitating my mother's voice. No, David, she was saying. I won't have the proofs ready by then. Yes. Well, yes. No, I'm going to have to cancel everything for this week and probably next. Blair waved me into the room. I assumed she was talking to my mother's agent, David. I sat in one of the other chairs and waited for Blair to finish her conversation. I know that, David, but it can't be helped. I'll call you again when I know more. Goodbye. Blair hung up the phone and said in her own voice, Sorry about that, princess. Your mother didn't have time to make all her calls before she portaled over, so I finished up for her. You sounded just like her. Blair nodded. Of course. Dwarves are good at more than singing hi-ho and mining for jewels. I had no idea what she was talking about, but I was beginning to get an idea of my own. Blair, I started slowly, do you think you'd call my school for me? As my mother? Sure. What should I say? Say there's a family emergency or whatever mom's excuse to David was. I turned to leave. Wait a minute, princess. Blair hopped out of her chair. What are you planning to do? Why aren't you going to school? She stopped. Why aren't you at school? Three people have vanished in two days. I have to do what I can to help. But, I cut off Blair's protest. I have to. I'm the future protector. She looked at me and nodded. Death of a close family friend it is. She picked up the phone and I went back upstairs deciding that vanishing sort of equaled death. I went to the closet to get my Smith's SFL bag. My mind was already creating a list of things to pack. As I pulled the bag off the shelf, in my distracted state, a file folder crashed onto my head. It was Ella's file. Her papers went everywhere. I hurriedly gathered them up and went to shove them back into my book bag. Then I noticed the bag was empty. There should have been another file in there. The candlemaker's daughter. I had been keeping it hidden there so my mother wouldn't find it, but it was gone. Did someone take it? Levi? Blair? Or could it have vanished? Everyone seemed to be vanishing lately. But for the file to have vanished, the last person from the candlemaker's daughter would have to vanish, and I still didn't know who that was. Oh, I realized suddenly I did know who it was. 
Thank you for listening to this chapter. If you can't wait a week for the next installment, you can always purchase the Cinderella Theorem on Amazon.com in either a print or Kindle version. If you have friends who would enjoy the story, tell them about this podcast. I love to hear from my fans, so if you have a question for me, please reach out on the Lily Sparrow Chronicles Facebook page. Until then, may all your stories have happy endings.